Welcome Chelsea fans, good afternoon uh, and welcome to another Blue is the Colour podcast uh, with me Tom Marshall Bailey, Chelsea writer Ollie Harbord and uh, Kev Byrne as well is, is joining us once again. Um, champions lads, Champions. Chelsea are the Premier League champions uh, after the, obviously we, we've not been able to uh, record a podcast since the West Brom game um, and we'll come on to the Watford game shortly but just an, an opportunity to reflect back on what was a, a pretty momentous Friday night, Ollie. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, you know, I was walking around the ground before the game and and outside and and sort of mingling with the fans a bit and and there was a, it was not really a feeling of uh, nervousness around. I mean, I know obviously they only needed the one win from three games, so there was never going to be that real nervousness. But it was there was a party atmosphere right from the very beginning, and it looked like it was going to be a nil-nil draw. You thought that it might go on to the Watford game and then they might need to get something from the Watford game and then the uh, unlikely hero of Michi Batshuayi does does something incredible comes off the bench scores only his second goal I think his third shot on target all season in the Premier League scored his second goal and, and to win them the title and from then it was just uh, bedlam really from that and uh, it was an amazing experience I think for all Chelsea fans that, that were lucky enough to get a ticket all 2,700 in the away end and some maybe had snuck into the home end as well but uh yeah, an amazing experience, one that a lot of uh, a lot of Chelsea fans will treasure, and and a very special moment for the club. And some incredible celebrations going on in that dressing room afterwards, weren't there? Oh my god, <laughs> amazing! What is who is Diego Costa? He's he's a very <laughs> strange character when it comes to it, but he's one of the most bizarre human beings alive, I would say. He kind of just exists in his own little world. This, I did I did a piece about his celebrations. He just is such a strange man waiting around for Conte to finish the press conference. He's doing pull-ups off, uh, off some scaffolding in the stadium. He's got a fire extinguisher. Starts, starts threatening journalists with fire extinguishers. <laughs> uh, just, a, just another day in the life of Diego Costa. Just, really, he, does, he does whatever the hell he wants, really. Uh, the, at the game last night where he pops into the press room during the half-time to look for an orange. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> Who mental. does that? Yeah. It was incredible scenes, it really was. I mean, I think that it just showed how much it meant to a lot, all of them. I mean, obviously, last season was such a disastrous sort of campaign, coming 10th and and not being in, in Europe this season. And for what Conte's done, it's just been absolutely incredible from, you know, from after that Arsenal game from there. It's just been an amazing ride, really. And, and to finally seal it in... Uh, you know, in quite um, in circumstances that have sort of showed why they are champions, really. A game that was drifting away and then something happens and he's made the right substitutions. And uh, a guy who's come off the bench, who's not played very much at all. His first, he only made his first Premier League start last night against Watford. To go and win it like that just showed how much it meant. And the celebrations, yeah, as you say, were unbelievable after yeah, the game. For someone who's supposedly unhappy, as mm. Diego Costa is, he seemed pretty delighted to have won the league and to be part of those celebrations and he wasn't off just by himself he was engaging with other players John Terry probably wishes he engaged <laughs> with them in a slightly different way yeah. Uh, but yeah no it's it, it just seems like watching the celebrations sometimes you know and maybe it's because you're so used to watching Manchester United uh, when you're a kid of winning their eighth title in a row but it really seemed like the Chelsea players were just over the moon to have won a title and to be able to celebrate with each other it just looked like a really good team spirit mm. and that was I was just about to say that those dressing room celebrations and out on the pitch in front of the fans it all just felt very symptomatic of this this kind of united team bond that Conte's instilled when you've got players like 
Nathaniel Chalabar. Obviously, Conte gave runouts to loads of fringe players yesterday, but mm. there's no there's no kind of hint. Even Bashwai as well. I mean, come on, let's face it. A, a 34 million signing. Okay, the transfer market's kind of skewed. Mm. What what a 34 million signing is nowadays, but you would think when you when you've become a player and you've got a price tag on your head like that, that you're going to play a lot of games. He hasn't for various reasons, but he's not thrown he's not thrown up a fuss about it. He's just got on with his job, and I thought it was so. I thought the fact that he scored the winner in that game was just like the perfect symbol of of this Chelsea team and a perfect symbol of what Antonio Conte's done with this team. He's kept so many players happy. He's, he didn't allow Diego Costa to shine, and rumours to impact on his team and derail them in the title race. I, I just thought that Bashwai, for him to score that goal, was just so significant in what in what Conte's done for this team. Yeah, I mean, he's talked about it before in press conferences about keeping players happy. I mean, obviously a lot of chat about Cesc Fabregas, who has been, has been playing so well, but then maybe not had the starts before the last couple of games. Um, and, you know, how does he keep the players happy? And he sort of said, well, if you're not happy in a squad that's aiming to win the title, then you're never going to be happy, are you? And I think, you know, there is that that idea of players want to be playing all the time, but players want to win stuff as well. And Michi Bashwai now has a Premier League medal to his name. And uh, for him to come off the bench and score the winner and, and do that. And then obviously the next day he's in the gym as well, working hard ahead of the uh, Watford game last night, which was a good a good thing to see. Um, yeah, and it is. It's an amazing team spirit that he's built, and it's just it's that connection with the fans. I think that is really the key. That's that's been something that obviously was missing last season. Um, that Mourinho, you know, he he was the sort of person who, you know, Chelsea fans will always have a massive respect for what he did, but he always split opinion as well. And there were some Chelsea fans that hated him. Uh, there were tre- there were Chelsea fans that loved him. Um, but with Conte, it's everyone loves him. Even if you're a Chelsea fan or not, everyone seems to everyone's been raving about him. Um, and it's hard to dislike him, and that's really fed through to the Chelsea fans as well. And and you know, it was an amazing moment yesterday that his um, his wife was in the crowd. You know, his, his wife's still living in Italy with his daughter, and, and his wife was in the crowd last night. And there was photos of her sort of crying um, from the chance of Antonio, because I think the amount it means to them as well to see how loved he is at Chelsea this season and, and hopefully going forward is an amazing thing. And he's done a, an, an unbelievable job this season. I think one of the most impressive things is I think Bashuayu coming in he's got this massive price tag over his head yeah, but he's a young player and he kind of probably knew that there was going to be a bit of adjustment time for himself and being behind Diego Costa he wasn't going to be getting a lot of game time I think, like you touched on Fabregas but I think Willian the fact that Willian's not mm. been playing after being player of the season last year in a dreadful season where Willian was the only one to really come out with any sort of positively enhanced reputation and to not barely use him this season and he's still a fabulous player but for Willian to you know there were very brief rumours around January that Mourinho wanted to take Willian with him in the summer but you know he he's a good enough player that if he kicked up a fuss he could get a move away and there would be people lining up around the corner to get him mm. He's got a few issues to deal with in that respect this summer, hasn't he? Because mm-hmm. I'm just looking here, Fabregas. I mean, the suggestion is that he wants to remain in London, that he's he's happy, he's settled here. 11 assists this season. Mm. Like, it's incredible. There's only se- I'm just looking at the stats here. There's only seven players in, in Europe's top five leagues that have got more assists than him. And I would speculate that he has had 
by far the least the fewest mm. minutes yeah. of any of those players. It's going to be really interesting, given that he needs to strengthen, given that whether it's Bakayoko that comes in from Monaco, whether it's Mendy that comes in from Monaco at wing, uh, left wing back, whether he goes for Van Dijk, whether he goes for Lukaku or Morata. He need, clearly needs to strengthen, but do you think there could be a few players departing as well? Yeah, I mean, but I think Fabregas is one of those they have to keep. I just think he offers Chelsea something that, and he showed it again last night in the game, in the scoring the winning goal against Watford, but he's one of those players that there are very, very few players that, when they get the ball like Fabregas do, have the vision and the ability to pull off some of the passes he does. And, you know, players like Hazard and Pedro and Costa, they play better when he's in the side because he, he just feeds them the ball in, in areas they want to play in whether it be down the channels, over the top, to their feet when they need to be. He's the sort of player they have to have to keep. And they, they will strengthen. They have to strengthen. There's no doubt about it in the central midfield. But I don't see any central midfielders that Chelsea are being linked with that can do a job like Fabregas can. And he, they, he's the sort of player they have to keep. Would he be in your strongest starting eleven for Chelsea? Uh, yeah, 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 he would be. Yeah, he would be, I think. I, I've, always, I've always felt that... Um, Kante and, and Fabregas is a good blend of, of player in the middle of the park. I mean, it worked when one game against Crystal Palace, it didn't quite work when Matic, Fabregas and Kante played, but then again, it did work another time when they played. So, yeah, for me, Fabregas, I mean, with the, with the amount of games next season, he's not going to play every game. I don't think he can really take it generally body-wise. No. I mean, he's 30 now and I don't think he can quite play every single game to the highest level. But for me, if he's fit, if he's if he's on form, then yeah, absolutely he plays because he, he brings that extra aspect to it. And if he gets time on the ball, he can be devastating for defences. I think Fabregas, more than any, you know, someone like Terry or, or Lampard, those kind of players are obviously going to want to stick around Chelsea because uh, they're legacy with Chelsea. But I think Fabregas is kind of just a level, a level below that. In, you know, Costa's talking about going to China. Hazard's been linked with Madrid and all these things I think Fabregas would want to stay and Chelsea just need to make him the offer because you know he's he's 30 but he's been around for a very long time he's been a senior player for almost a decade and a half now I mean, I mean he, Milan he, are the team that have been primarily linked with him do you yeah. think you really see that as the next logical step in his career? I think to be honest with you I think he's at a point in his career where he just wants to build his life really He's lived in London for a long time with Arsenal and he's living here now again, obviously, with with Chelsea. He's gone chasing that big move. He made the switch to Barcelona. It didn't work and he had a miserable time. He hated it there by all accounts. He had a terrible, terrible time back in, in Catalonia and I think he would rather stay put and if Conte can sit him down and say, look, we're going to be dealing with these extra games next season... Here's where I'm going to use you. You're not going to play every game because, to be honest with you, it's not going to work for the team and it's not going to work for you. Because Fabregas the last few years has kind of always started seasons well and drifted off as the year went on. So I think using him sparingly and kind of having him come in as this, you know, like like a closer in baseball or something, if he can accept that role, which he's brilliant at, then I think that could be the right move for him to kind of prolong his career as well. Because remember, he's been playing at this level for since he was 15, and he's 30 now. He broke through at Arsenal at the age of 15. Like It's it's a crazy amount of time. Most players, if they had, had been playing for 15 years, they'd be 36, 37 by now. Hmm. 
So I think Fabregas needs to be a bit smart. He needs to look at the situation he's in and what Chelsea can offer him. And what they can offer him is stability in his own life. And I think that that's something that we very easily overlook when it comes to footballers. He's happy here. That's as simple as it is. Chelsea have made him very happy here. So, you know... And that's that's all down to Conte in mm-hmm. that he's managed to yeah. get extract the very best from every player. Yeah. That's why he's a case in you know in point. And he's going to be a re- really interesting one this summer because will will we'll, I, th- I think they'd be nuts to sell him. I, I absolutely agree. I think he's a fantastic talent. I think he he will score goals whenever whenever he plays. Well, I, well first of all, you're never going to get back the 33 million you paid for him during the summer. Now, and if you do get rid of him, what was the point? What was the point? And they didn't pay thirty-three million pounds for Mishu Bashuai. The finished to, product. Yeah, they they paid that on potential. They paid that to spread that out over eight or ten years and have I, that work out. I, I just, think he'll go on loan. I can't. I, I can't think, see him staying. In the I think he might go on loan. I think they would be absolutely bonkers to get rid of him entirely. I, I just get the the you know if Costa does stay this summer. That big question marks over that. If they bring in the likes of Morata, I can't see Batshuayi even playing as a second fiddle role. I think uh, he has to go and get get uh, some experience away from away from Chelsea. I think I would agree with that. I think that they should try to loan him within the league. Maybe mm. you know West Ham, West, have been linked. West Ham, maybe West Brom. Uh, if if Lukaku comes, maybe send Batshuayi the other way on loan. You know, uh, he he definitely needs game time, and he's at a point in his career where he needs to be playing. Yeah. But I think it would be ridiculous to have signed him for one year, take a loss, because you will take a loss if you try to sell him now, uh, just to have him... And I know most Chelsea fans might think that they would happily pay £33 million to have the Premier League winning goal, but on a more practical level, it just it wouldn't make any sense. I don't understand the rumours about a permanent move away from him. Do you think they'd be tempted to cash in? Well, I think Kev's right. I don't, they won't get anywhere near the thirty-three million. No chance. Um, but I think that he's sort of, I guess, worth keeping on the books and sending out on loan. I think, yeah, that that switch with Lukaku. I think that's a, an obvious one, really. If if they can send him out on loan there and then see what happens after that. I mean, obviously Chelsea have used the loan system quite regularly, <laughs> which has been pretty well documented, um, to say the least. And I think that, yeah, I think it, it would seem ludicrous to just sell him. I just don't see him being in this first team squad next season. I think it'll be. I think he should go on loan. I think for his own his own good, just to go on loan and to go on loan at a Premier League side, not go on loan abroad. I don't see no. the point of that. I think he needs Premier League experience. If yeah. he does well, then you've got a player there that's had had the opportunity and can come into the squad for this following season. Just from the Watford game, he made nine changes, so only Azpilicueta and Hazard. Um, they were the two players that remained in the start. And Azpilicueta was in a different position. Mm. True, but the the nine changes he made, Zuma and Terry came in at the back with Ake, Begovic in goal, Kante came back in, Chalabar, Kennedy, um, Bachwayi, Willian came in as well. Do you think enough of those players convinced? And if you name name and shame, who do you think who do you think did convince and who do you think didn't? Convince? Well, well I mean, starting from the back, I think Begovic is going this summer. I think he's made, obviously made it clear in January he wants to play more first team football, and I think they will definitely let him go. I think they'll bring in somebody as a second, whoever that is, I don't know, but they'll bring in somebody as a different second choice to, to Courtois if he if he stays as well. Um, Zuma didn't do enough last night, I don't think, to show that he um, 
has worked his way into Conte's plans particularly uh, I don't think he had a particularly great game obviously Terry's going um, I think Ake should definitely stick around whether he'll go back on loan again next season maybe I mean you've got the likes of Christensen coming in obviously he's got the settled lineup of Louise Cahill and Aspilicueta that have done very well uh, and there'll be a marquee signing I'm sure at that centre back position just, as well I was just going to say on Christensen that, that presents his own problem in that mm. he said he only wants to return to Stamford Bridge if he's going to be guaranteed first team football well look at that Chelsea defence ok last night shipping three goals was you know a bit bit of an outlier really um, well it was, it was a different back three it was yeah, yeah absolutely but I just think Christ, for Christensen to expect to come in and dis- disrupt and dislodge that back three is unrealistic frankly especially yeah. if he goes out and buys a Van Dyke, which for me is absolutely the right move it's a right move because um, me and Kev have spoken on Kev's written pieces for Spurs this summer saying that Spurs are in this difficult position where they don't know how to strengthen their first team options and they yeah. get linked with players like Harry Maguire and if you offer me Virgil Van Dyke or Harry Maguire I know who I'm going to pick yeah. I think that's he's targeting the right profile of player you sign a Van Dyke and you in, you immediately put Azpilicueta, Louise and Cahill, Cahill particularly, as good a season as he's had, you put all three of them, you know, you try and get another 10% out of them because their performance level should improve as a result. Yeah, and with the Champions League, you know, you need a squad of these. You can't just have bring in people that are not of the standard that are backups. I mean, he's got been able to have potential backups in that lineup, in the defensive lineup especially, that maybe aren't quite at the same level as the front as the front three that he's got. Um, you know, he does he will make a marquee signing the centre back role, I'm pretty sure he will. Um, and so for me, Zuma's not done quite I like Kazuma, I really do, but I just think he's not quite shown that sort of next level to be there next year. Do I mean you think that injuries really affected him. I think an injury like that always affects somebody mentally. I think however much you put it to the back of your mind and to 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 your can, I mean, it was such an awful injury that, and he was on a, he was on a, such a good progression in his career as well. That was yeah. the thing. I remember, you know, listening to Five Live once, and they had a French journalist on, and they were talking about their future of the centre back role, and it was Varane and Kurt Zuma, and they see that they saw them as the main guys, um, and you know, for him to go with that injury, be out for such a long time. Um, yeah, it's always going to affect you, I think, in ways. Just just for your progression, more than anything. Rather, even if it's not a mental thing, for your progression. Um, and he just didn't didn't quite do enough last night. I just thought he was just a bit scrappy and it didn't quite work for him. Um, you know, and the other players in there as well, like Kennedy. I can't see a future in from, at Chelsea. I really can't. I think the left wing-back role is another one that he's going to strengthen. Conte will do in, in the summer. And for me, Kennedy just doesn't isn't at the level. And I don't think loaning him out is... There's much point to it, really. I know he's young; he's only around 21, but but I just don't see where it's going to happen for him at Chelsea. I, I can I I would cash in on Kennedy really and see him out. Chalaber definitely is keep. I think he's he's one for the future. Another, maybe another loan. I don't know, but but he's definitely one to work on for the for the uh, for the summer and and to keep in the squad for the future. And then the likes of you know William and Batshuayi, as we've talked about, William would be great to keep next season, and Batshuayi probably a loan deal, I'd say. And just a, I know yesterday for John Terry didn't go quite as planned. I know he got his got his got goal. his goal. Yeah, very then, odd two minutes that was. Yeah, and then a couple of difficult pieces of defending. I think it's mm. fair to say for the Kapu and then the Yamat goals. But let's let's just take a minute to 
appreciate what an incredible career this fella's had. Um, and just, yeah, just give me your tribute, Ollie, to, to John Terry. Um, well, I mean, it's, you know, from a Chelsea point of view, he's just been Chelsea, isn't he? He has literally been Mr Chelsea for however many years he is and, and what they will miss, not just necessarily on the pitch, I think off the pitch especially. I think, you know, Conte's talked about this a lot this season of how has helped him in the dressing room and that is a big, big hole to fill. It really is uh, around the around the dressing room and, and sort of getting the, the team inspired and, and, and sort of... And you just saw from the goal last night when he scored his goal, just the players around him were just, um, you know, so happy for him to score that goal. And he's just been an incredible player. I mean, um, for England as well and, and sort of his, his performances over the years... You just can't really put enough word, sort of praise into into what he's been like for for Chelsea. I mean, you know, not a lot of people outside of Chelsea aren't massive fans of John Terry for for whatever reason for for you know outside of football. But he's just been a an absolute leader for Chelsea for so many years, and and his him not being there will be a massive massive gap for them. And people like to joke that Chelsea's history began in two thousand in two thousand and three when Abramovich arrived. Terry's kind of the last link to that that era before Abramovich. So it's it's going to be a kind of a weird changing of the guard, mm. which, you know, took place this season, let's be honest. Uh, didn't feature a lot. Mm. But it, it does leave Chelsea in kind of a strange position of, first of all, not having Terry, which is the first time they won't have had Terry in, since before Abramovich. But also you now have Ake... Christensen coming back and uh, Zuma of these kind of three young defenders with a lot of potential who aren't quite there yet and I think that there's only really room in that squad for at most two Mm. you would say you'd only really want one and to have the three of them there now suddenly there is a kind of a weird dynamic going on with the Chelsea centre-back role of this mix of losing this massive leader and now also having to deal with just a ton of inexperienced players there. So it's going to be interesting to see how Kante manages that. And Cesar Azpilicueta, I noticed that Gary Neville and um, Jamie Carragher both picked him. I think they picked seven of the same players each and Azpilicueta and David Luiz got in there. I know you wrote a piece yesterday, Oli, about how he's kind of earning the plaudits and yet it still doesn't feel like it's enough. Mm recognition of what he's done like, well, for yeah, me we, best... we, we spoke about this two three weeks ago he's one of the best defenders in the league he... best pound for pound signing he'd, he'd, in recent Premier League history he'd get into any I think he'd get into any squad in Europe just for the versatility he gives you as well I mean he's, he's a natural oh, he's oh, a natural right a, back any, any squad absolutely I'm not sure if any starting 11 but any no squad, no any, any squad, squad because yeah. he, he's you know he's a natural right back but Mourinho stopped, played him at left back where he sort of overtook Ashley Cole He's now playing as a right centre-back. He can play right wing-back as he did last night. The left wing-back role he played against Man United didn't go quite so well, but he's, he's got that versatility across the back line. He's pushed into midfield recently as well. Pushed into mid- I mean, he, this is a guy who's played every second of every minute and Conte made nine changes last night and yet he's still in the side and it might just be to give him that sort of record of going through the whole season playing every second. He's, he's, fine, made, he's made the most passes in the league this year. Yeah, and he, but he's been incredible and the, what sort of showed it up was was the winning goal and the lead up to the West Brom goal uh, because he was the one that when Louise got caught out by Rondon he, he tracked back made the tackle so Rondon couldn't get a shot away 
you know, moments later, he's up the other end, putting in the perfect cross for Mechie Batshuayi to score. And it just sort of epitomises what he uh, has been about this season. And one of the things that's been so good about Chelsea this season, and he's he's been he's been at that point, and he's just been absolutely incredible, really. And for me, he just doesn't get... He's one of those players that doesn't get talked about week in, week out. He won't get the match-of-the-day profile on him because he doesn't do anything flashy. He doesn't necessarily do anything that's... Um, you know, get in the headlines like David Louise. He's not that sort of character. Uh, obviously, Gary Cahill scores more goals than him generally during the season as well. Um, but he is by far, for me, the best defender in that team. And he's showing it again this season. And he's just been absolutely superb. And that late winner against Watford means that, barring a freak result at home to an already relegated bottom of the table, Sunderland, Chelsea will end the season with the record number of wins. Mm. Now, you put down on the sort of the pre-match, uh, pre-match, pre-pod uh, <laughs> notes here about worthy champions, and obviously there's been a lot of kind of chatter about this is Spurs, you know, best ever season for so long, mm. and but then they've been mocked at the same time by opposition fans for putting the pressure on and creating a title challenge when it's resulted in nothing tangible for them. Yeah, there's still some people in, in I, I believe there are some people out there that would say Spurs are the better team than Chelsea. I personally think that's an absolute joke yeah, to suggest that when yeah. Chelsea stand on the verge of creating history. And to me, to have the most wins is is incredible. Yeah, it absolutely is. And and the only team that have done like at the record they've joined now is is Chelsea under Mourinho when they obviously had those two incredible seasons as well. And, it, you know, people were talking about Spurs' you know, however many games they went unbeaten or winning run of nine or whatever. People have forgotten the fact that Chelsea went 13 games unbeaten in the middle of the season after a pretty poor start. Win, 13 win. wins in a row. In a row, wins. sorry, sorry. 13 wins in a row. Um, and, it, you know, it's an absolutely incredible run. And to win 30 games out of 38 in the Premier League in your first season as well, when you've got the likes of Mourinho obviously bringing in a lot of players at, at Man United... Guardiola's just taken over at um, City. Klopp, obviously, in his sort of second season at, at uh, Liverpool and, and Arsenal and Arsene Wenger and, and everything around that. And obviously Spurs having this incredible season, which they have had, and there's no doubt about it. But to say that Chelsea aren't worthy champions would just be absurd, really, because they've, they've deserved it, no doubt about it. To, to win, if they do win 30 games, is an incredible feat. Right, I'm going to put it to the three of you here. To the three of you? Um, to myself as well. <laughs> Um, what's the better achievement? Oh, here we go. I knew this was coming. An unbeaten season, the most, the most points or the most gained one. Uh, I think an unbeaten season is is incredible. It really is. I mean, you can't, you know, the invincible side of, of Arsenal. You can't take away what an amazing feat that really is. For me, winning thirty games shows a sort of. You know, they've had a they've had a couple of drops off. You know, the, the Crystal Palace game wasn't great, and and obviously the United defeat recently as well. But to to get thirty wins in a season would be an incredible achievement, really. I think. Yeah, I it's it's very hard to compare them because you have to compare against different seasons as well. Yeah, but I think that that's when something. You break it down to the kind of just the core argument of each thing against each other. What would you go for? I don't know because you have to take the season into context, and I think a this is why. This is a point that I wanted to make about Chelsea quite clearly being worthy champions, but I think it also, in another way, diminishes the 30 wins a touch, just like a tiny bit, not totally, but there. I was at the Arsenal press conference yesterday, 
Arsene Wenger was talking about the fact that if Arsenal win their final two games and Liverpool win their final game, then Arsenal will end on 75 points but still come fifth. No team has ever had that many points and not made the Champions League before. Um, there's definitely this sort of... There's the top six and then there's everyone else. And I think if you have a season where you know, the top six are getting record amount of points and you're still winning the league with two games to go and it's not even really that close. Mm. I think that that just shows the incredible achievement that that Chelsea have had. But at the same time, in terms of the win total, if you have a season in which five other teams are getting record amount of points, it does slightly... It does feel like for the first time in a long time that there is this disconnect between the top six and the rest because there used to be the top four and everyone else and then that kind of fell away for two or three years and now we're back to that again I don't know it's it's impossible really to compare I think on the most basic level you have to say most points I'd, I'd be minded to agree on the, on the most basic level I think what it shows is how good next season could be I know this, this season's been a bit of a it feels like it's been a bit of a transition season for a lot of a lot of clubs I think but the fact that you know, you've got Chelsea as champions going into a second season under Conte. You've got well, United going into a second season under Mourinho and, and the spending power that they might have over the summer and, and him finally implementing what he wants. A second season under Guardiola and if he makes the right signings in that centre-back role, for me, Gabriel Jesus looks an absolutely class player up top. I think that's just going to be incredible. Then Arsenal, you know, what happens with Arsenal and Arsene Wenger and if, if he does go and whoever comes in there... I think next season could be an absolutely outrageously good one, to be honest, when it comes to sort of that top yeah, four battle. And also, you're going to have all six of the big clubs are going to be in Europe. Yeah. there's You're not going to be able to level that kind of criticism against Chelsea that they were playing in Europe. Or so, Liverpool, for that matter. Or Liverpool, yeah. And so. the annoying thing about that as well, you know, Mourinho is talking about the schedule and stuff like that. And let's not forget that I think Chelsea still won the Europa League and got into the Champions League as well for the next season. So, you know, that, that sort of scheduling thing, he's got a big enough squad to be able to deal with that. And That's their shortcomings has not been because of the size of their squad and the scheduling. It's because they've not killed games off like Chelsea have done this season. Don't, I don't want to talk about Mourinho for very long, but I wish he would just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> really, like, he just... Really preaching to the Chelsea fans yeah. here. It's just, yeah, it's, he's, he's, he's not the same man he was when he was in his first spell at Chelsea. No. He was unbeatable in that first spell. The only person who could beat him was himself, and he did. And as the years have gone on, players have got tired of it. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Everyone's tired every, of it. Yeah, now. and, you know... Man United went, what, 24 games unbeaten and didn't move above fifth, didn't drop below sixth because they just kept drawing. They won 50% of those 24 games. It's, that's sickening. It's one, it's, one of the worst unbeaten runs ever, isn't it? That's, that's not football. <laughs> no. which, is, which is why you could, in some respects, say that is an unbeaten season the most incredible achievement. I, I, I'm torn on it because I think... Well, Arsenal won 26 games in their unbeaten season. They drew 12. It's close to Chelsea's all-time total. But Arsenal, that Arsenal team do get criticised from opposition fans that to draw 12 games, are you mm. really invincible? Well, I think the, the criticism of that Arsenal season is that in the kind of the big cup games, they got knocked out of the Champions League by Chelsea which 
on paper they should have won that yeah and that was I know they got to the Champions League final two years later but that was the year where they should have won it and honestly that's the year where Chelsea should have won it once they beat Arsenal (laughs) (laughs) but you know they were very poor in the Cups they lost they got knocked out in the semi-final of the League Cup was it? I think they lost to United in the FA Cup yeah in the semi-final and lost to Borough in the yeah Borough in the uh, League Cup so you know I think if Chelsea win if Chelsea get 30 wins this season and win the FA Cup it's a pretty remarkable season it's pretty incredible incredible, just to wrap up on Friday five years since that night in Munich Mm. Chelsea's inaugural Champions League triumph Um, we'll have a first club in London first club in London absolutely Um, and only only club in London (laughs) and we've got some we've got plenty of special um, content lined up for the day um, on Friday for that but um, Ollie, just very quickly to wrap things up just take us through some of the memories from what was a, a pretty incredible night for Chelsea fans. well it was a pretty incredible season really I mean if you talk about teams that should have won the Champions League that year Chelsea are not one of them really <laughs> if you think about you know the, the, well, you know, Paolo Ferreira talking about it and he was talking about that is the season that they played so well in the competition in other seasons that that actual year Nobody thought they would have done it, and obviously, no, it was, Villas- it was, it was Bayern season. Yeah, absolutely, and, and Villas Boas obviously got sacked midway through the, I think, the last sixteen leg, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and Di Matteo came in, sort of had that unbelievable game against uh, Napoli to, to get <laughs> to get through, and then obviously the the Barcelona semi final, which was you know the Ramirez trip chip, which is still one of the most outrageous moments <laughs> in the new Camp to chip uh, a Barcelona oh, goalkeeper. Yes. Yeah was just incredible and then obviously you know when they're up against it with Terry getting sent off and Cahill injured as well and and then he goes to Fernando Torres and, and scoring that and then you know even even the, the final was just the epitome of what the season had been and they were right up against it they were 1-0 down Drogba scores missed a penalty as well you know Robin, yep. yeah missed a penalty and then you know go and win it on penalty just an incredible achievement really and, and it's a very special night and you know obviously the best night in Chelsea history it has to be that and for a team that um, you know to, to see Roberto Di Matteo uh, to win the Champions League is, a, is quite an achievement and I think it, it holds a, a special place in a lot of people's hearts Fantastic um, just quickly predictions for Sunderland uh, this has got to be the easiest predictions ever like you, you cannot end up with egg on your face well I, th- I think he's going to play a strong team because I think obviously going into the FA Cup final he won't want to rest players again too and much the, and the wins record on the line and the wins record on, I think it's just keeping I, the momentum I don't, I don't going think, I don't think Conte is going to care about the record really? well no he's, he talked about it to be fair to him he talked about it last night in the press conference that it's a big it's a target for them it's definitely a target I think, I, and well, I think the battles with Mourinho this season it's just to get a record over Mourinho whatever it might be it would beat that his would be, team exactly it would beat his team and I think that I think I think the target's actually quite big in his mind for that and I think he'll play a strong team to make sure that they're sort of going towards the FA Cup with some momentum I, I, I think he wants to win every single game. I don't think that the target is... I think it's something to say and it's something to motivate the players with. Mm. I think Conte himself is just so ultra-competitive that in his head, he's setting a record every week, which was a win. Mm. So 4-0. Uh, I think Moise is going to inspire somebody. <laughs> <laughs> to a what? To, to a what? To, to keep us to five goals. 4-0. <laughs> I'd like to see Jordan Pickford have a good game though. I like Jordan Pickford. I think he's a very, very good goalkeeper and he deserves a Premier League club next season. Do you think he could be replacing Begovic? I think he could. I think 
it'd be the, it'd be a great keeper to have to push Courtois to the because Courtois needs a number two that's pushing him. Yeah. Begovic hasn't really done that, yeah. and I think Pickford is the sort of player who's good enough, proved that he's good enough this season in a very 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 poor Sunderland side to be a Premier League goalkeeper, and he's a sort of one that could push Courtois so, massively. It's a very different proposition though, isn't it? Defending. For a team like Chelsea, where mm. you're going to be able to switch off, but you have to you have to keep your concentration. Versus mm. Sunderland, where you are always on your guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are always goalkeeping. Absolutely. Um, that's that's about it for us. A, a bumper edition as we reach the 37 minute mark. Here. Fantastic work, gents. Um, thank you for joining us again, Chelsea fans. As I say, we'll we'll have a, a bit of a um, special day's worth of content on on the Friday to uh, celebrate the. Uh, five year anniversary since Munich um, and we'll be back next week with another podcast reflecting back on the Sunderland game and having a little look uh, ahead to the summer as well uh, join the FA Cup final. final don't forget the FA Cup and of Cup course final. the FA Cup final we've all forgot about that in the, tri- in the Premier yeah. League triumph wow. it's got an FA Cup I mean it's going to be a war I mean weeks. we're going to end up on <laughs> the, I thought they'd already won I mean we're going to end up on 60 minutes here as we carry on <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to impose that we, we don't talk about FA Cup until the next podcast which um, we'll reflect back on Sunderland. I'll get this right this time. Reflect back on Sunderland. Look ahead to the summer after looking ahead to the FA Cup final. Um, thank you for joining us, Chelsea fans, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye bye.